Hi, this is Bobby with Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast, of which we are the worst. I'm Bobby. I'm Alec. I'm Eddie. I'm Jackie. And that's the first woman you were hearing on the podcast. That's Stay right. tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Could sit down for a pint of beer with Alec himself. What would you ask him? I would ask him why doesn't he drink beer? <laughs> I was gonna say you won't get that chance. Won't get that. <laughs> what would it be? Um, all right. So today we are talking about a wonderful topic, as the title suggests. Does anything we do matter? Specifically in ministry, though, no, we're not tackling. Anything. I think it's open. It's <laughs> this op- is like a really big philosophical. <laughs> this is exig- we're, we're, we're going dark. We're going dark this week, folks. <laughs> oh. We're actually going to be welcome, playing. Welcome that. to my wife, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are such melancholics. That yeah. <laughs> does anything we do matter? And I'm like, yeah, it's a time. <laughs> which is Everything why, matters. Which is why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Save us from the pit. Yeah. <laughs> which we will about, which we are about pit. to enter. Yeah. We all we, we all, all fell, fell into the pit. In the pit. No, Huber and I were talking, and this could be ministry related or not. But does anything we do matter? And I think that's more difficult to see at times when you don't see the fruit of your work. When you put on a retreat and you put a lot of time into it and all you get back is what went wrong, it's kind of the age-old thing of, like, everyone that's healed runs away and doesn't say thank you. You get the one complainer or whatever's going on. And sometimes, again, you kind of just take that for what it is and you leave it. And then there are times where it builds up and you're like, man, does anything I do matter? This is a very melancholic topic. I don't feel like I'm super upset about it, so it's not like – I'm not like in this super big funk or anything, but I do think it's an interesting topic just to cover in general. Like where, how do we approach properly evangelization or anything in this regard with the glimmer of hope and with all of these, even in the midst of possible, you know, tribulations and things like that, where, so I'm not actually making the stance that nothing that we do matters. I believe that it does, but I do think it's a good conversation to have. I think, you know, Mother Teresa said, God demands that not that I be successful, but that I be faithful. So that's kind of been, since I started ministry, that's been kind of the, I've always reminded myself that, like, even when you leave something feeling like you haven't been successful, you've been faithful, and that's what God asks. And I also, now I've been in ministry for, gosh, oh my gosh, almost 20 years. Like, it'll be 20 years in a couple years. And I've seen where, when I was a youth minister, let's take A-Lob, Andrew Lobacher, for instance. I was his youth minister. I took him to his first student milk conference, and nothing happened. It took two more student milk conferences, and then him going to Franciscan for a real conversion to happen. So I feel like as people in youth ministry, you're presenting opportunities to encounter God, and you don't know where people are at in their openness or their willingness to receive God's grace. But what you're doing is you're planting a seed. So maybe the retreat, you know, a retreat that you were on, every single person there was in the beginning stages of where that seed was planted. But some kids... That, that is ready to like bear fruit like crazy. So you're going to see that. But it might be that a retreat you did, they all might be in that beginning stage. And it's really hard because you're like, man, I didn't see any fruit being born. But you're the first person to present them an opportunity to experience God. So, I mean, I feel like it, yeah, it's difficult. But I'm like, you know what? Be faithful. There have been times I've spoken or, you know, done events where I'm like, dude, did anything I say hit anybody? And I know, especially if there's 2,000 people, there are there are absolutely going to be people. Actually, one of probably the worst speaking experiences I ever had 
right after my talk, I had a girl come up to me and say, I saw Mary next to you. Like literally a teenager in high school said, I saw Mary next to you. And I had multiple people. One girl was like, I want to start going to daily mass. And then the hell broke loose of like other kids. And I just heard terrible things. Oh, this girl is awful. Whatever it was. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't, if literally if one kid was disposed to receive God's grace, it's okay. So it, it might feel at certain times you're, you know, you're not seeing the fruit, but I absolutely think it doesn't matter. I mean, not that it doesn't matter, but what matters is that you're being faithful to what God's calling you to. You're planting the seed. So whoever's going to come along next is just going to kind of build off what you have already done. Why, why can't you just let me wallow, honey? Why? <laughs> just let me be down here. Right, right. In my dark, melancholic pit. I know. The three theological virtues are faith, love and melancholy <laughs> <laughs> oh that's why we're good for each other <laughs> yeah but it is i think it can be tough to just i don't know i remember i was talking with was doing bible study at school last year with a student who uh really gets the spiritual realm of things and we were just joking we were doing the passage of where jesus says i'm sending you out like lambs among wolves and to go, you know, and spread the gospel. And the first thing he said after we did our prayer with the scripture, he just looked up and said, I'm sending you out like Catholics among colleges. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do, I think like, especially with the college scene and all of that, I mean, I was, I went to Franciscan University and I had my own set of struggles with the faith, but I think it was like a, a crisis of like needing the faith to be more, not like a, I'm being dragged straight down away from God. But that's just not the case for most people in college. And I think I, I just sometimes it just seems like you put in so much time into a guy and, you know, flip a coin when they graduate and maybe they'll come back and tell you they're still going to mass or maybe they won't. And I don't know. I see the even just in my short years of working full time in ministry is there's been kids who I'm like, this kid's awesome. And then they come back and visit the campus or don't. And you just hear and it's like, yeah, they they completely fell away. Would you I rather just, not know? I don't know. That's a good question. I just, I feel like it's such a losing, like it's almost like a, such a losing battle. It's like how, with how much effort it takes, it's like the crop takes a lot of time to grow and you're throwing it down a shaft that has like a fork in it that either goes right into a furnace or maybe can be used to make grain, if that makes sense. And it feels like the furnace shaft is much bigger than the... Than the <laughs> Some get a little crispy. <laughs> well, let me give you another analogy. Bobby knows that I'm a I've started gardening, which I don't know why I garden. But some of my plants to watch them die. Yeah. No. But Bobby Bobby has it's just seen nice, it. It's just nice to not have to care so much about a living thing, you know. Uh, all my effort goes into my kids, so it's like just nice to have something I can mail in. <laughs> oh my god. But Bobby has seen plants in our backyard that literally look like they're dead. And I've told him, I'm like, okay, just watch. I'm going to, I'm going to completely cut them all the way back and you're going to see what happens. So he like, he's like, what did you do? You just completely killed it. And I'm like, no, it's called pruning. And when you prune something back, he, again, he's literally told me multiple times, like, oh my gosh, like you just killed that plant or it's going to die. And then he's watched as a plant that was once beautiful flowering and it looked like it was dead. Once I completely pruned it back, it was able to completely flourish again. So. Some of these guys, even though 
they've left, they've gone. Because I've had this happen too in youth ministry or you spend so much time on a person and you're like, what the hell? Like I've literally, I don't know how many times I've told you to not have sex before marriage. Like, I don't know how many times. You had sex before marriage <laughs> when I specifically asked you not to. <laughs> like, I don't know how many other ways I could tell you not to date these kind of guys. Like, I don't know how many other ways I can tell you. Like but this time will be different. I know. Like you're not going to, the, the kind of guys that you're dating are not the kind of guys you're going to marry. So like, yes, there are some people you're just like, what is wrong? Like, I have told you so many things. I've been walking with you and they still just don't get it. So that is really frustrating. I think though, sometimes like of these boys who, but then I also think of certain people, I'm like, well, they, they've never even had a conversion though. These people still, but when I feel like it's really frustrating when someone has had a conversion and then you watch them go down the tubes and then you watch them lose their faith. But for me, that's like, again, that's like the pruning. I don't know at what point God is going to start pruning them in their lives, but maybe that faith will be reawakened because I'm like, you know, like you've experienced God in a profound way. Like you, you know what is out there. So, I mean, to go back to the, the main question, does anything we do matter? I'm reading a book on mentoring right now, and it's really timely because as you put all this effort into just pulling off one retreat, and all you get back is what went wrong. You don't hear about the guys that are now in their infancy stage of getting rocked by Christ are awesome. They're out there. Very few come back and say thank you. But the, the section in the, in the mentoring book I'm on is about indifference. And not indifference like I don't care, but indifference of I don't need to see the result. Almost of like letting go of. Like, like I'm, detachment. I, yeah, detachment. I'm, I'm investing in you full, knowing fully well. I may get a thank you at the end, I maybe I won't. And how important that is, whether that's parenting or whether that's ministry or even just like, I don't know, coaching, there's a sense of you're, you are expected to invest a lot and you shouldn't be looking for the reward, the pat on the back at the end. And that's much easier said than done. Yeah, why are you doing it? Are and that, that's it? the thing is like, if you are doing it for affirmation, you need to get out of it or you need to take a step back and kind of, reorganize yourself it should be this detached i'm really doing it to better the next generation or i'm really trying to get you to be a man maybe you come back later and say thank you and walk away that's all i'm gonna get and are you okay with that for me it's been beautiful like even some of the kids movies we watched like cars three or you know we just watched the i finally just watched the new aladdin i liked it better than i'll admit but Will Smith in a behind the scenes thing talked about like, I'm at a place in my career where I want to be mentoring the new rising actors and whatever. I don't need to be the star of the show anymore per se. And even as the genie, like that's also um, allowing this kid to have the limelight. I get to be in the mentor role. He and says as he's the only good part of that movie. <laughs> that, that wasn't his choice though. Yeah. I liked that boo. Um. <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. Because it, the <laughs> cave says only one may enter here, one whose worth lies far within. But Abu got to go in, which means he doesn't count as one. Well, but he, if he doesn't count, why does it count being. when he takes the treasure? Yeah, why does it count when so he takes the treasure? So he either shouldn't be able to go in or it shouldn't matter yeah, when he touches him, the treasure. You tell him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Nux. <laughs> to get back to our central point of should Aladdin have been made at all? No. <laughs> But I, that's is why I Disney think, just does, is any of the Disney movies that are coming out do they even matter? <laughs> do they matter? But that's why I think that Mother Teresa's quote is so baller because that that's what detachment is. It's like be faithful 
It's not about the success of the numbers. It's, and, and, and that God doesn't measure how we measure. We measure on numbers. We measure on what does it mean to be successful? Like, what is it? Because we don't, again, God doesn't measure in our terms. Yep. So that's the problem is we always want to measure. And that oh, that's probably every youth minister knows that plight of like the number thing of pastors who are like, I want to see numbers. It's like, it's not about numbers. It's not about the money. It's not about this. It's like individual souls and where they are. But that's the other thing. It's like we always want to measure success by the world's standards. Well, and we do want some feedback. We do want right. some kind of like, am I doing this right? And especially in the spiritual life, it's not instant. It's not an instant ping. It's not an instant like achievement or trophy. You get this guy saw Jesus level up. And it's not even just for ministers, because I know people in my life with whom I talk hours and hours and hours. And ad it doesn't nauseum. ad nauseum. Way to use your Latin. <laughs> um, I think it's Latin. <laughs> to, um, to the nose. <laughs> And it doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere. I am curious for you guys as parents, if there are a lot of parallels there that you might want to touch on. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, my life as a parent. <laughs> oh, you're talking to them. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> well, again, I think as a, par- as a parent, it'd be super devastating because you spend every moment, of, especially like when you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, it's like you're spending so much time with these kids, especially when your intention is forming them in the faith. So if our kids left the faith when they were older, it would be so devastating. I mean, it's one thing if as a parent you're not really trying to raise them in the faith or like you haven't had a conversion. But I think when you're a parent who has had a conversion and you're not like crazy, like we're not, we've known enough Catholics who've left the faith because it was just about a bunch of rules. So we're trying to show them we love Jesus. We're not trying to force them not force them, but like make them hate the faith. We're trying to let them to love Jesus. So it would be so devastating if our kids didn't love God. However, though, I have seen, again, I have seen this played out and I have a friend who's coming tomorrow who her parents super faithful. She left the faith for a while and she came back, you know? So I always know too, they're not my children. They're God's children. Children are a gift and we've been entrusted. So I think, again, it's having detachment enough to say, Okay, I'm going to be faithful, but ultimately they have free will and every kid has a different personality. So you just never know. And you never know how the devil is going to try to creep in, you know, so it would be absolutely devastating. But we also know that the the devil is real and the devil is pretty sneaky. So that's why it's like so important. We pray for our kids. And I think as parents in this day and age, we're actually pretty lucky because we know all the forces like I feel like back in the day, parents didn't know all the things that were out there and you just didn't talk. It was taboo to talk about it. So like we know, like, OK, well, we have to talk to our kids about pornography. We're going to have to talk to our kids about sex outside of marriage. We, we're we're going to have to acknowledge all these things and all the things in the world. Like like, again, what about same sex marriage? What about abortion? Like we have to talk to the, our kids about this, whereas parents in the past did not talk about this. So we kind of know all the battles that are coming at us and we're prepared for it. But yeah, it would be really, it would be devastating. I always say our second one's either going to be a prison gang leader or she's going to be like a nun in a prison. There is no <laughs> lukewarmness in that child. She is either hot or cold. So she's, <laughs> she's always the one I'm worried about. <laughs> She'll use her energy for good. Well, again, that's what you hope. It's like you hope with all their different personalities 
that they will again love got like our first one though she's a extrovert a people pleaser so that could be her fault like we already see in our children their faults and their weaknesses their love languages like all this stuff i mean that's i love i psychologize everybody so i, I of course i do it to my children but I that's th- what they're for yeah yeah <laughs> to psychologize um so i see the strengths and weaknesses and again you work with different personalities like okay yeah it's like i see that you're going to be a people pleaser so you have to we're going to have to you know help her in that um to, to know that that's not the most important thing just never tell her a good job that way. <laughs> that way there are no two more harmful words in the english language <laughs> than good job <laughs> uh, i'm also thinking of not even just in the faith like yeah. just to kind of make this more tangible for other people i can think of my time as a coach where i had someone who phrased it as there are two kinds of players there's one that you tell all season and they do it once or there's one that you tell once and they do it all season and it's the thing of you might hammer the same idea for all year and it never really comes so what do you coach soccer okay you coach soccer you coach soccer i also coached volleyball when i was in high school but i never played so oh that's hilarious that's like my dad he coached my (laughs) volleyball team and he never played (laughs) and then i coached volleyball bobby did you coach anything (laughs) (laughs) what do you do (laughs) what do you even do what do you do all day I know Bobby's a lifeguard and I used to taught teach, swim. Yeah, I used to do swim lessons. And, yeah. How many people drowned on your watch? <laughs> on my watch? Zero. But I did watch. But one. I was turned around. So. Oh I did watch one kid who told me Not he On could my watch. Sp- on my negligence. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch one kid who told me he could swim. Oh, and then no. jumped out the diving board and went right to the bottom. <laughs> and I waited a couple seconds. And I said... All right, buddy. <laughs> Hope you learned your lesson here because <laughs> now I have to get wet. <laughs> but, yeah, I had a coach who uh, – my volleyball coach said that's what a coachable player is. A coachable player is someone you tell once and they do it. And then someone who's uncoachable, which I've had definitely volleyball players like that. You're like, for the love of God, how many times do I have to tell you this? Like every single time. So, yeah, they, they're, they're on adjustment. So there are people like that in life, you know. Ugh. <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, I think my head says yes. What we do, but my heart is saying matters. no. If the you rest wanna of like, be no. with me, <laughs> <laughs> we can't get that copyright cleared. We have to cut that. It's only thirty seconds. You, you need to change a couple words. Fair usage, man. Fair usage. <laughs> my heart is saying, okay, what were you saying? No, it's gone. It's not you interrupted it with song, honey. Sorry. I'm sorry. What we Did do the matters. Middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of your sentence. <laughs> But I think we all get in those funks of like, again, whether coaching or teaching or ministry or parenting or mentoring, we're just, we're not seeing any fruit. And so it gets discouraging and you want to throw in the towel and go work in any other field. I think you have to just kind of keep it in perspective. I, this is making me think of being on the other side of it. How frequently are we vocalizing our thanks for people who are making an impact in our life, which reminds me of screw tape, which we read something to the effect of the devil wants us when we feel something to not act on it because then our feelings will grow weaker and we will be even less likely to act so that when you're feeling something positive, I should say to act on it. And I was driving the other day and there's a neighbor who for months has been working on this retaining wall outside and he finally finished it and he was doing his gardening and I was driving by I said, man, that, that's just so good. He did such a good job. 
I'm going to turn around. So I turned back around and I told him, oh, it looks so good. And he's like, where were you when I was working? But just <laughs> thinking of, he's probably out there for hours, like slaving away in the sun. Mm-hmm. And it probably feels really good. And I could have easily just driven right on by, but thinking of vocalizing things because you don't know if they are in a drought or whatever it is. And I, I've, I've, I've done that where I have written my, some of the priests from my seminary days who I was not enjoying or didn't see, like, I'm such a better man because of it. And like the rector and there's others that I've written and just said, told them thank you for, for that. Like my old swim coach who also led our fellowship of Christian athletes group. And so he was the first real kind of man that bridged, like you can be an athlete and lead people in a secular way and be a strong Christian and not compromise. Like I, I've written him and told him thank you for being that first real like manly example that again stays with me to this day. And there's other people I'm sure I could track down that I can't be bothered. But you know, we all have that like, oh yeah, so and so, but have I actually thanked them? Like, oh, because again, when we when God does allow us to see the fruit, a guy comes back from college and they're still in. There's one retreat where every I mean this this was recently where every single guy in my small group went to pray at the break period for all 15 minutes all five of them just were in a text group they like all went to pray together were there the entire break on their own and it just like almost brought me to tears when he told me it was one of those like okay something something is going right like god i think god allows us to see the he throws us a bone every now and then to say like here stay in the game And I also think, too, like when you read scripture, you absolutely know, like, okay, Jesus is God. And he there were times that people didn't listen to him. So it's like I I think when you when you stay in scripture and like St. Paul, one of the greatest preachers ever converted thousands of times, like there were towns, there were places that he went that people, again, wouldn't listen. They threw him out of there. And so it is discouraging in a certain place when you're like, dang, that was like really rough or like, but again that's why it's like okay oh well like i don't know god what you're doing in the hearts like i can't see like i can see the exterior but i can't see the interior and i also think too i've been more convicted about when it comes to ministry is uh really praying and fasting (laughs) and and i know boo (laughs) i i have a friend that she literally if she does a ministry call uh she fasts for 24 hours before speaking to the person i'm like what the heck but I also see God in her life very tangibly, like really. And I'm like, I've been convicted by her witness. Like, shoot, dang, you literally hear God so clearly because she fasts a lot. She goes vegan every Wednesday, Friday. And then anytime she has any kind of ministry thing, she fasts for 24 hours beforehand, just as a water fast. And so I'm, but I see the fruit. And so again, you know, some, it says in scripture, like, there are some kind of spirits that can only be cast out through fasting and prayer. And so I've been more convicted about that. And then for me, just also really intentionally being praying and trying to fast from whatever. And if it's not food, it could be from something else. But kind of that too. I think it's like we need to keep ourselves in check on one hand. And we need to be honest about the ministry or what that we're doing. It's like, okay, is this effective or can it be changed? Like, Bobby, you came in 
and you there were things you changed about the Kairos retreats. Like, is this effective? What's the point of this? So it's obviously okay. We can't just say, oh, God's calling me to be faithful, not successful, because yeah, it's like, well, but you suck. You know, like <laughs> you suck at what you it's like we also do have to, and it's not about measuring by God, but it's like, what is the point of this? Or what is the purpose of this? And it's okay if some things are just fun. But yeah, you came into the Kairos retreat and you're like, what's the point of this pin? Or like this not pen, but like a pin, right? Like they had a, they left with a pin. It's like, does, does this really matter, right? Is How this- dare you? I went on the Kairos retreat <laughs> and I still to this day question, I wear that should pin. I throw this away or not? So. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, just but things like that, that it's okay to evaluate. It's okay to evaluate our prayer lives. Are we listening to God? Are we being faithful to God? So it's totally legit to ask those questions, but in the process to be like, okay, God, I just want to do what you want me to do and be faithful to that. But again, to try to be as to to be effective still and to to ask ourselves those questions. I mean, as someone in ministry too, like I have to do that too. Like, is this effective doing this or how can I change this to be, to listen to God? Like how can more or whatever? So. Yeah. I think it's part of my hang up with it is because I don't want to sound (laughs) I feel like I'm, I'm coming across needy and saying I need to see the fruit, but now I'm tempted to say I don't need to see the fruit, which is going to come across as like, look at this guy pretending like he doesn't need to see the fruit. So I'm just going to say, I don't know what I need. Um, I don't but, know what I need. What do you want? What do I want? <laughs> what do you I want? I don't know. <laughs> but I do think it, there's like pressure. And, you know, we're, we're kind of touching on some similar bases as I think episode one, right, of Sinner's Take, ministry mm-hmm. numbers. But there's like that pressure of like, I make a salary to do this. Right. If right. I don't do like, a good job or like Jackie and Bob, you guys both like travel around to and do like traveling ministry and things like that. That's like hard. Like so, like when people like especially finances to sometimes in work where like if there was a retreat where we maybe I let something like so I wasn't paying attention to something and you know, something got damaged or somebody you know, insulted somebody else and it affected their retreat in a negative way. And I'm like, it's just tough because like. I failed like at my job, which is, I know like, again, it's not the way that like the ministry is. And it's almost just twisted because, you know, I feel like, I mean, in a perfect world, none of us, this podcast wouldn't need to exist. None of the three of us would need to have the jobs that we have. In a a perfect world, this podcast would exist. (laughs) (laughs) In a perfect world, this podcast would be the only thing that exists. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, I think it really like ideally would just be religious life and then like the family, right, would be. But like because we have such a, a broken world and I'm sure that there would have been a place for people as well, but definitely not to the extent. Anyway, all that to say, like, it's just this weird dynamic of where lay people have really had to step up into the catechism role and like are earning a salary for this. And it's like there's almost like a justice piece that sometimes I feel like I'm failing, like if I can't produce like tangible fruits. And that I think that's almost like why I think a lot of times people fall back onto like ministry is just event planning because like, look, I can show you that like I am earning my money. You know, we put on the all school mass today at our, at our high school and like we did that like oh we checked our box to like that campus ministry was doing something today and that's just it's a tough it's a tough balance. Oh totally. I to- when yeah, when people bring us across the country to speak, it's like you better make sure you don't suck. Like <laughs> you know because then you're like you again, yeah, I think that is definitely a hard thing when you're it's part of your livelihood as well. And and that's why every person who is a traveling or or who works for who does ministry and gets paid for it you always have to keep yourself in check 
Like, would I be doing this even if I weren't getting paid for it? Like, would I, do I preach still? Like, I have to ask myself, do I preach when I'm not getting paid? Do I preach like, uh, and really it's like, yeah, I preach the gospel to whoever. But just like, again, in, in Acts, it's like there, some are called to be preachers, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be this, 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 that we have all the different types of things. And, and that the community supports, especially for us as preachers who go out, the community supports the people who go out to do ministry. Now, ultimately, it'd be great if that was to non-Catholics. I think that was kind of the thing, but it's sad. I mean, that's the sad part. It's like, we have to evangelize Catholics. That's what the yeah. new evangelization is. Yeah. So we're getting paid to evangelize Catholics who, yes, should have been evangelized by their families. I feel like you always have to keep yourself in check of why are you doing this? Is it just for a paycheck? Would you want to, would you rather do something else? Like for me, I told people like, even if we won the lottery, if Bobby and I won the lottery, I would still want to evangelize. I would still want to work with Eddie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so to ask yourself that question, like if, if all, if these other factors didn't matter, like, would you still be doing this? And for me, it's absolutely yes. Like I, yeah, I would totally still want to preach the gospel. I would probably travel once a month and so I can be with my kids more. But so I think you do have to ask yourself that question. And yes, it's like you want to, if somebody's paying you to come out, you're like, yeah, I need to make sure we're bearing some fruit here. Yeah. <laughs> but then they won't ask you. That's the thing is that how, that's how it works. If you're not, you're not going to get asked back and people talk. And so that's why it really bothers me when people have to promote themselves. It's like you don't have to promote yourself because all the ministry world talks. And so if you're if you're a good preacher, if you're a good teacher, if you're this, people will invite you. If you have tattoo sleeves. Yeah, you reveal your <laughs> tattoo sleeve too. This yeah. is my past. <laughs> I yeah, that's it's I think that we're getting to kind of just head in that direction too because I even think there is a way to to go about it the importance of the presence of it, you know, into when you are speaking somewhere or even just like, like teaching in the classroom setting, it's very easy for me to be like, Oh, well, I gave my lesson and I gave them their, their test or whatever. So I'm done. And like not be present to them. Like I, I make an effort every single day to like have a conversation with at least one of my students. That's not impressive or anything, <laughs> like, but it's the, I think how do I word this. I, I have, I feel the same way about professional athletes where, I feel like professional athletes and actors as well, they get so caught up and they're like, I just want to have like a normal life. And like, I hate it when people like come up to me while I'm at the, you know, the movie theater or at a restaurant. It's like, well, I hate to break it to you. You chose the, a profession where you are going to be idolized. And like, you don't get to just play professional soccer and not expect people to want your autograph. Like you put yourself on a pedestal, you have to expect people are going to come like, and I don't know, I, I, I see like the tremendous power that like, if there's any famous people listening to this, like, just like take 10 minutes out of your day go to like a bar and sit down next to somebody who's alone just like they'll turn and they look at you like oh my gosh like you are so and so and there's like you that person will talk about that moment for the rest of their life but the same thing with ministry right it's like we signed up to be ministers so like part of being that faithful i think and like as as exhausting as it is and like i feel like it's almost like the more intentional time you put into somebody the more likely you are to not going to see the actual fruit and not be thanked for it and things like that. But like we chose a thankless job. Yeah. That's a Parks and Rec quote, right? When Ron Swanson yeah. is talking to Leslie, he says, you chose a thankless job. You can't be surprised when no one thanks you. And so, just, just remember that. And we've rewatched the, uh, several episodes. And that line, every time we rewatch, always hits me 
because it's always like Ron's talking to me. Yeah. Of the many times Ron's <laughs> talking to me, but that one especially in ministry, like yeah, you chose a thankless job. Sometimes you you will get thanked. Sometimes you'll see the fruit. Most of the time you won't. So. But people, get, I again, I read the letters that people write you at the end of the semester, and, and that's. And that, <laughs> that's the difference between having someone who's a teacher and having a charism of teaching is because there is a lot of people who are good teachers out there, but having it like, a, a, so it's a natural gift of teaching, but having a supernatural gift of teaching, a charism of teaching is that hearts are changed. So just like someone who speaks on a stage, there, there are a lot of really talented public speakers, but the difference between that and a, someone who has a supernatural charism of preaching is that hearts are changed, hearts are converted. So that's with any charism, the difference between a natural, like, and even with singers, right? There are a lot of, and this is, <laughs> and you could say this for Catholic worship leaders too. There's a lot of people who have great voices. And I know as a singer, I definitely do not have the best voice at all. Again, like there are times where as a supernatural grace, like, hearts are moved and it's not about me hitting a high note it's not about me doing this it's like so that's there's a natural talent and then there's people who when you hear you're like whoa you know what i mean you you experience the holy spirit yeah and so i i try to tell people if like god is giving you a supernatural grace of like like sweeping the floors and that moves somebody you know it's like then you just do what god is calling you to do because or like the saints who were porters who just opened doors well, yeah, like the beekeeper, you said, you know, yeah. uh, Solanus, Casey, Casey. yeah. It, so it's like you, you be faithful to the charisms God's given you to evangelize because the whole purpose of charisms is to build up the body of Christ. But the problem is everybody wants to be on stage. Everybody in Christine Kane, go watch her. She's an amazing video about this. She's like, everybody wants to be the mouth in the body of Christ because they think they see on social media and everything like, oh, you guys, again, they're the, you're on stage. Let me tell you. I don't have anybody. I have kids come up to me when I'm on stage in front of 5,000 kids. I'm like, I want to do what you do. I don't have anyone do that when I'm speaking to 30 kids at a confirmation group. Nobody does that. But they see you on stage and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to do that because people want to be recognized and noticed. And it's like, no, I would stink and be a street sweeper if that's what God was calling me to do. And, and to I would be the armpit if that's what God was calling me to the armpit. And sometimes I am the armpit when I'm wiping poopy diapers, Her you know, natural deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> Give me yeah. all the aluminum. Sorry, babe. My friend I gave can. me natural deodorant and I'm uh. like, sorry, babe. If, I, if I'm smelly lately, <laughs> you need to tell me. I would be the car behind your street sweeper. Giving, people giving tickets. tickets. <laughs> the guy no one likes. Uh, I do. I want to go back to making sure this translates to not just ministers ministerizing because this is every person with whom you interact we're called to be the face of christ right right and not that we're anyone's savior like we've talked about before but recognizing the impact and the opportunity you have in whoever's life it doesn't just have to be on a stage in front of 50 5,000 or 30 people it doesn't matter he who saves a life saves the world entire. So it's the idea that you're saving that person's whole world and so really valuing your impact in each person's life and not saying I need to reach a certain amount of people. Right. But like you're saying, even if I reach one, that's I've saved their whole world and not, of course, me, but their whole world has been saved. Oh, and that's the power of testimony. Like even my life, I had one core member 
who my parents couldn't afford for me to go to this one student will conference. And that's this core member paid for me to go. And that's where my conversion happened. That changed my life. And to think like, had he not done that, who knows where I would have been? Like I would have gone and probably played college volleyball. I would have had a different life. So it just, again, so that's why, yeah, for me, it's like one, the person in front of you, the person, oh yeah, it's just, it really, it takes one person to have, it takes one person to smile, just smiling. Again, I love Mother Teresa, I quote her all the time, but she, she even talked about just smiling at somebody. Again, you don't know if someone is suicidal, they're, they don't, they're whatever's going on in their life, like, and you just looking at them and, and smiling at them might change everything. I think I just read too many chicken soup for the souls growing up, and I just, <laughs> I had all the chicken soup, and, so, and then just reading those stories of, like, how one person like saying, hey, I'm going to help take your books back from school. It's like the kid's going to commit suicide. And like, you know, like I just that to me, it's like being present. And that's what like Dr. Gregory Bataro talks about, like Catholic mindfulness, being present in the moment. He's talking about too with God, but but even God in the presence of other people, like being mindful about the people around you. I go in through airports and I look and nobody's looking at anyone. Everyone's looking at their phone. And I like literally I'm like, okay, I want to like look at people in the eyes. And there have been times I've smiled at people and they literally be like, oh God, you know, like they don't know how to react. Run. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, but just to, to really be attentive and what's the word we all hate? Um, uh, intentional. 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 Oh my gosh. We need another word yeah. than it's, intentional. Uh, it's um, what I always tell, I tell all of our Kairos small group leaders, I say, I repeat it over until over and over and over again. I say, be attentive to the individual needs of everyone in your small group. Right? Yeah. Don't get fixated on the group as a whole or the retreat as a whole is so important. And then the one, one more that I just remembered that I wanted to mention earlier too, about it's frustrating when things fall apart, right? When you see like a, a guy or a girl who you put a lot of time into and they just seem to fall apart. We like, we've talked about, you know, you're not anyone savior. And then there are tons of stories about they needed that to, really get to real faith i i remember in my own prayer life like when i went to college i just like stopped like you know once once like the ministry world of like working high school ministry and being told that i was the token holy guy like once that was stripped away from me like i realized i had no like actual relationship Did with Bobby god strip it away from you no yeah <laughs> it was a really awkward hr meeting yeah. <laughs> this guy has shows zero interest in having a relationship with god <laughs> And he's also naked. <laughs> <laughs> he stripped me of my ish. But I remember like always trying to build this back up to like how my faith was back in high school or whatever it is. And just that I had to realize that God like doesn't settle for anything less than perfection, right? He doesn't settle for anything. And like if he has to strip our faith down to the nuts and bolts again and be like, you know, it's like you, you, you build something really nice and you go to show God and like just smashes it out of your hand. And you're like, he's like, start over. This was he's terrible. He's pruning you. He's yeah, pruning exactly. You. <laughs> um, like a beautiful Lego tower. <laughs> yeah. Smashed to bits. So to, tr to trust that, that some people are, like we've said a, a million times, you know, people are on different stages of their journey and sometimes your job, sometimes you just push them to rock bottom. So that, that way, <laughs> sometimes your job as a minister is just to completely push them to rock bottom so they could just have a, a fresh start. <laughs> And I will it's say, my too, philosophy. when you're living a life in the Holy Spirit, you're always discerning where somebody how to approach a situation. So I would absolutely approach someone. It's it just 
you're always discerning when you meet people and you realize like, okay, do they know the gospel? Like you're always discerning what the situation is. You're not just going, do you know Jesus Christ? You know what I mean? Like we, that's, it's like you're discerning where people are and you're trying to meet them where they are. That's, that's like evangelization 101 is like, is it's part of discernment. So if I were like, I have a friend who's an engineer. And Thanks for telling me that I, I skipped evangelization 101 all the time. Evangelization in college. 101. So I, 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 I just, I never actually went to class. So <laughs> tested out of evangelization 101. I don't know. Is that a class? Um, but he's an engineer and he just, again, he's very present to people. He has a charism of, I don't know what it is, but people tell him their life stories. And so he's just always listening. Maybe he has a, a charism of counsel and people that's just really apparent like there are some people like that like people just tell you their life stories and he listens he's an engineer and i can't imagine the amount of people who have seen him as a catholic dad catholic man husband who is just kind of like this light he really is i it, it really is like you, who said it what saint said it like when you meet someone you should never leave not knowing god was that leon bloy guys you all heathens <laughs> tv uh, wonder anyway somebody said like you should never next. how like what yes what a tragedy it would be if somebody met you and they don't meet god yeah like what a tragedy that would be and so every every christian every catholic like there should be something different about you there should be something that radiates that people are like why are you the way you are why are you the way you <laughs> who says that is that michael scott yeah but people should know, realize that there's something different about you. And that doesn't matter whether you're in ministry or not. Like it's no matter what occupation you are, there's, there should be something different about you and people are attracted to that. And so not you do you, but like you be who again, call, God is calling you to be and be faithful to that. And again, not everyone is going to, I don't know, follow that all the way to conversion, but you just plant the seeds. You're just sowing seeds. And, um, yeah. We could keep going for another hour. I know. Let's I do it. To... <laughs> <laughs> we could keep going for another hour. And that's what I would like and to do. And we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> and so let us begin. So I just want to yeah. – uh, my last thing is Jackie referenced, like, some of these letters students have written me. And I actually stuffed them into my Bible for the reason of reminding myself, stay in the game. Like Mr. When melancholic. I, yeah, yeah, when I am tempted to think, woe is me, I'm awful, I'm done, I should go work at Home Depot. It's a good company. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I will read through those notes, and it just kind of helps remind me, like, okay, it's effective, or it is bearing fruit. Stay in the game. You know, you do it for the one. You do it for the one person. You hope, again, as the years go on, there's more. But it's also staying detached, indifferent. I am not entitled to see the fruit. And Lord, help me to be okay with that. You're right. You are not entitled to see the fruit. <laughs> we, on the other but hand. But Eddie is. <laughs> Making fruit salad over here. And then last, another last baller, Mother Teresa quote. She said, joy is the net of love by which we catch souls. So if you are joyful and you are not a sour-faced Christian, again, you will... You will set the world on fire, guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Meanwhile, the introverts will be over here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In our room alone. United <laughs> alone. <laughs> Separately. In your own house. <laughs> Go be joyful elsewhere. Uh, uh, and that's the sinner's take. 